Welcome to Offkey, a Membrane Labs podcast about the music industry for the industry novice. I'm your host, Talia Seidman-Wright. This season of Offkey will be taking a turn down a new path, moving on from the who question towards the how-to. Our hope is that this season will act as a music industry 101, providing accessible information for industry newcomers like myself, who are interested in building an understanding of how to earn money and achieve success as a creator in Canada's music industry. Join me as I learn about the ins and outs of the music industry from the perspective of two key players in the creation of music, the songwriter and the recording artist. Through research and conversations with music professionals, I'll explore how these creators make money and who and what they should be aware of as they build careers in the ever-evolving music business landscape. To start off the new decade, this week we'll be looking at a very special field in the music industry, music therapy. As most people can testify, music has likely provided a form of therapy to each of us at difficult points in our lives, or helped us remember things through songs that we associate with certain memories. And this can be explained by the ways that our brains react to music. Listening to music reduces the release of the stress hormone called cortisol and triggers the opioid system in the brain, releasing endorphins that reduce feelings of pain and increase feelings of pleasure. In a child's development, music has also been found to play a key role in developing problem-solving and decision-making abilities. Music is also associated with emotion, and thus plays a key role in our formulation and recollection of memories. Because of these factors, music can be a powerful therapeutic tool in helping people with Alzheimer's and dementia recall memories, people with Parkinson's improve movement and motor function, cancer patients endure the physical pain of chemotherapy, and people with depression and anxiety improve their motivation and mood. For centuries, music has been used for healing purposes all across the globe. Plato and Aristotle wrote that music could affect one's emotional state, and as early as 400 BC, Hippocrates was playing music for mental patients. However, music therapy is considered a fairly young field, and only gained significant momentum in the post-war period, when, particularly in the UK, musicians would travel to hospitals to play music for soldiers suffering from physical wounds and PTSD. The field, like any, is constantly evolving as awareness increases and more research is done. The field of music therapy is truly fascinating and I would encourage anyone to research and learn more about its benefits. In this episode, we'll learn about music therapy from some experts in the field. I had the pleasure of speaking with Erica Tetzel and Taryn Stevenson from Music Heals, a nonprofit organization based in Vancouver that supports music therapy programs in BC and across Canada aiming to improve access to music therapy services for patients in children's hospitals, senior centers, palliative care, at-risk youth, and more. I also spoke with Ruth Eckhoff, a music therapist in Norway, which is a country recognized internationally as a leader, not just in healthcare, but specifically in music therapy. I hope you enjoy our conversations and learn something new. Let's jump right in. So, um... I guess we'll start off with um, with some introductions. So my name is Taryn Stevenson. I've been working with the organization um, for about four years, but formally for about two years. Um, and I look after producing events, doing brand partnerships, sponsorship, and sort of um, overall vision for the organization in regards to different initiatives that we're gonna do for the year. Um, and I'm here with my colleague, Erica, um, who is our fund development and outreach coordinator. And she works really closely with Um, major donors, but also works really closely with facilities and music therapy programs and music therapists 
looking to find funding for programs. So, um, so you've kind of got the dream team here with you today. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so Music Heals was funded by a group of sort of like-minded music industry professionals. Um, they all shared a belief in the healing power of music, uh, which is sort of um, music as medicine. Um, so Music Heals, our mandate is to raise funds and awareness to provide access to music therapy to Canadians in need. That's awesome. And um, how many years has Music Heals been around? Uh, we've been around since 2012. 2012. Okay. Wow. And do you know if there are other organizations like Music Heals um, throughout Canada, like outside of Vancouver? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, although we're based in Vancouver, we do have national reach. We are funding programs in provinces across the country, which is great. Um, there is the Music Therapy Trust Fund. Um, their mandate is a little bit different than ours, okay. um, but it means that we work really well together. So if a group is not necessarily eligible for funding for Music Heals, they may be eligible funding for from the Music Therapy Trust Fund, which is in Toronto. And we sort of bounce back and forth with each other and, and sort of make sure that we're not both spinning around wheels and getting nowhere, but that we can sort of complement each other. Right. That's great. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, so what are Music Heal's main programs and initiatives? Yeah, so um, I'm going to take that over. Um, so Music Heal, so we are primarily a, um, like what we do, we are, we raise awareness and funds for music therapy programs across Canada. So we have two facets of our uh, major programs and initiatives, and those are our awareness projects. And then um, with, they kind of tie together and then our um, actual programs that we fund. So in 2019, we helped start the Royal Columbia Neonatal Intensive Care Unit uh, music therapy program. They have one of the highest rates in the country of um, uh, neonatal uh uh, intensive care births. And so the highest survival rates, they have really great care there. And then we also have a number of programs within BC, um, VGH Burn Unit, um, St. James Music Academy, we work with YMCAs, um, pretty much anywhere where there is a need for a music therapy program, um, that is where we try to be. So right. um, the types of populations that we work with are like Alzheimer's and dementia, brain injury, uh, neonatal intensive care units, um, autism in children's and children and adults, mm. um, Down syndrome patients, um, palliative and end of life care, wow. uh, burn units, and we work with children who have um, who are uh, high risk or have developmental um, challenges and differences, right. um, and. We also work with third party events who do fundraising for us. And um, like Taryn said at the beginning, we do music therapy awareness month. So during that, during March, we are doing a program called Join the Band where people can join our band and raise funds for music therapy. Um, so those are those are kind of an overview of what we what we do right. and where we do it and who we work with. All right. So how is funding allocated at Music Heals and what does it go towards exactly? Um, with our funding cycle, um, 
Music Heals grants are um, go specifically towards the salary that a, uh, the salary of a music therapist to directly increase the number of hours that they can work. Um, music Heals helps grow music therapy programs, and in some cases, we will help start programs. So. Um, any facility that any accredited uh, music therapist and foundation that has a music therapy program that is looking to increase their hours and see more patients, um, they should check out musicheals.ca and see if they're eligible for um, the granting cycle in um, opening up in September. All right. And for people who are unfamiliar with the field, which is me, <laughs> um, what exactly does music therapy entail and, and sort of what are the main benefits for certain people. Okay, so um, music therapy is the um, evidence-based use of music, purposely within the therapeutic within a therapeutic relationship to support development, health, and well-being from the website. So music therapists are accredited by uh, the CAMT and a four-year program, and they are mm -hmm. provincially certified and nationally certified to um in therapeutic interventions to help um to help alzheimer's patients have lucid memories um brain injury patients feel relief neonatal intensive care unit patients the babies they feed and they take 25 percent more feeding than uh with music than when they did before um wow. you know working working with autism um and the invention in interventions within uh, programs like that to um, help benefit um, benefit these people and 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 um, in both their development um, and well being. Wow. And and one of the mi biggest misconceptions that we yeah. get for music therapy is that a we provide instruments to schools, or <laughs> or b that we send um aspiring singer songwriters to go play for seniors in old folks homes right. <laughs> um and and one of the ways that i sort of describe it is there's a difference when you go to a spa and get a massage that feels good we all know music feels good yeah. mm -hmm. but there is a very different technique and certification and education required if you're going to a massage therapist who is helping you with a specific need right. um, and, and that's where it sort of turns into more of a therapeutic um, form of, of uh, treatment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why there's so much school when it comes to music therapy training. It's it's about eight years of training for music therapy. So, yeah, because you do an undergrad first in music typically, right? Uh, typically. Yeah. OK. Um, and. I was just curious, like, do you know what the specific techniques are that music therapists use? Like, is there sort of a type of disorder that would be treated with improvisation versus like, you know, composition or like a recreation of popular songs or? Yeah. So essentially, a music therapist will uh, cater the treatment based on a particular set of needs from either a group or the patient um, one on one. Mm. So, um, you know, the different types of interve interventions are um, end of life recording for palliative patients, um, people in hospice care so that their families can have legacy recordings, um, playing familiar songs for people with Alzheimer's to uh, evoke 
memories, feelings of memories mm. in people that don't have very much, very mem many memories anymore. Um, right. uh, music is played for people in burn units when they're getting their wound or dressings changed on their wounds. And it's shown to alleviate some of that pain or that perceived pain. And it, um, it works with the brain's pain receptors to make it feel like you're not in as much pain. Mm -hmm. So it, there's so many, there's so many types of interventions and it's all based on what exactly the, uh, the ailment is or the um, the disorder is and then the music therapist is specifically trained to um, either alleviate the symptoms or help um, help have the patient open up in in a particular setting so it, it's really it's it's really magic and you have to be kind of in the room to see it happen it's it's wow. it's amazing like somebody like a music therapist is intuitive and the, the they're always situation based they're always on their feet like all of the music therapists that I know are just vibrant and they're 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 very they're people people yeah wow that's so cool mm -hmm. um are there any standout stories that you could share about people receiving music therapy and then improving well, we have on our website, we have a ton of like evidence base, but um, one of the stories that one of the most recent stories that kind of stuck out to me was um, our one of our music therapists in the neonatal intensive care unit. She shared a story of um, these so these brand new babies, these fragile babies born sometimes as early as 26 weeks, wow. and we're not actually allowed to start music therapy interventions until about 28 weeks. Mm -hmm. And this child was screaming and all she wanted to hear was the sound of her mom's voice and just talking to her through, through that, um, the incubator, the bed that they have, the specialized bed um, for the, the patients. Mm. And so um, what the music therapist did was she played familiar music that the mother would um, not necessarily feel comfortable singing along in an outside setting, singing along to in an outside setting. But um, as she played the music, the mom started singing and the baby's heart rate slowed down wow. and um she was feeling she had moments of um the stress was lifted off of her and she 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 wasn't in such an acute state anymore and just those moments of parents being able to connect to their children yeah. and having those tangible moments where music is interacting with um you know, people with, with two people in, in that moment. So, um, that's, there are so many, there are so many stories, um, ch children at, um, at hospices, the music therapist that we know there, she provides legacy recordings for families once their children have passed on and they can hear their children's voices. And it's so oh impactful gosh. and so special for these families. Wow. Yeah. That's truly amazing. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> um, this is kind of like, connected but a bit of a tangent but have you heard of the podcast called soul music no it's very cool you should check it out um it's by bbc and basically it looks at songs that are emotionally or culturally significant to a lot of people they'll do a full range of genres from songs like new york new york to songs from broadway musicals like send in the clowns 
Um, I listened to one on Smile by Charlie Chaplin the other day, and it was really beautiful. It was centered on a bunch of personal stories Mm -hmm. about how people relate to the song. And there was one guy who talked about when his father was dying and he was in a coma and the nurses had told him there was no way to communicate with him. And if he moved his body, it was just his body functioning, but not necessarily with consciousness. So the guy went in there to say goodbye to his father and he didn't really know what to do or how to interact. So he just found himself singing Smile. And then his father like squeezed his hand and he feels like, you know, that could have just been a bodily response to to nothing, just something that happened. But he felt like that was uh, connected to him singing this song that was meaningful to both of them. And it's just like, you know, these stories are crazy and and it's hard not to believe that they're true. And there's science out there clearly that shows that the brain is responsive. So it's very interesting stuff. Very cool. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You should check it out. That's amazing. Yeah. I'd love to. Soul music. Yeah, soul music. And they have like all kinds of songs. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank awesome. you for the recommendation. Yeah. Um, sort of connected to my last question. Uh, like, are there certain genres that are genres of music that are used for certain things? Like, is classical used in some scenarios versus rock or like acoustic guitar, you know? Yeah. So that would be, you know, all up to the the music therapist. Um in a particular setting, but, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen a music therapist play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song for a child. And I've seen, um, a music therapist play row, row, row your boat for a patient with, um, dementia and, and Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. So, and, and having that patient sing back. So it really, it, it, it is based on what, those patients' needs are of the day and how best to um, alleviate their symptoms, treat their symptoms, and, um, you know, work with them um, in that particular setting at that time. And and famously, famously, I think Ed Sheeran also talks about how he had an incredible stutter and speech impediment yes. when he was yeah, young yeah. <laughs> um, and how his um father gave him an m&m cd and said learn every word to this and and use the rhythm and the um and the speed and this will cure your stutter and and he to this day still credits m&m for that hip-hop album for for helping him with his speech impediment so i think it really yeah, so cool. it depends it doesn't have to be classical it, it can be hip-hop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In our interview, Ruth Eckhoff discussed what drew her to pursue a career as a music therapist, as well as the various approaches that exist in the field today. So, um, my name is Ruth Eckhoff. Um, I currently work as a music therapist in a special education institution for handicapped children and adolescents. Oh, wow. That's um, my main position. And I also have a position at the Norwegian Academy of Music, teaching music therapy students. Wow. Yeah. So how did you get into the fields of music therapy? And and why did you choose to do it? Several reasons. I was interested in in it because when I was uh, 15, the conservatory where I was doing music lessons had a workshop 
with two very famous music therapists, Nordoff and Paul Nordoff and Clive Robbins, came from the UK. It was about uh, autistic children and music therapy, and it was fascinating to hear how some of them came out of some kind of isolation and were were uh, yeah making contact and um, creative moves. It right. was this method clinical improvisation that was really capturing my heart. So um, I decided this was what I was was going to do right at this point. Mm-hmm. Also, I had a family. I had a, a music family with many active musicians. And uh, I noticed how we shared a very deep feeling for music when we were gathered and some uncles were playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And the, the, there was a lot of sharing of feelings. And those, those more dark feelings were not, they were not much able to share them with words, but they share them in the music. Wow, yeah. So uh, I was also interested in this deeper communication, how... Yeah, what happens uh, in the music <laughs> and when people listen to music. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's that's so interesting. So um, there are different traditions within music therapy throughout the world. Some of them are more uh, behavioristically oriented. Some of them are humanistic. Some of them are kind of psychotherapy. Some of them are body oriented. They're but the Norwegian um, tradition has been centered around humanistic uh, perspectives. Okay. But one very uh, important common feature is the use of improvisation. Oh. Music in improvisation is very important in most of those music therapy approaches. When I work with music therapy, it could be using the voice, singing, it could be playing instruments, it could be moving, dancing, and it could be listening. There is also a very well-known uh, approach called uh, guided imagery and music, which is a psychotherapy method when you, where you do guided... Um, travelings so it's a kind of self-exploration method but it it can also also be used for repairing some some bad experiences and so it depends very much on the client population what kind of methods you use yeah something i've wondered is like are there certain genres of music that you would choose to play uh in the norwegian tradition we are very much interested in using the interests and the history of the person that comes into music therapy. Mm. So we use their own codes and what they are all, all already have a history in. Right. But those early music therapists had some ideas that this and this music was better than some other music. But in the modern times, all, all kind of music can be used. But of course, there is necess- it's necessary to reflect around 
uh, how you use it. Yes, yeah. But when I work with with uh, my uh, young adolescents and children in the special school, uh, they are very much uh, concerned with YouTube popular songs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, many of them like to to sing when together with the YouTube video uh, with the microphone or so. And sometimes I earlier I played more piano to accompanying them singing, but uh, YouTube is <laughs> very important. <laughs> but um, yeah, more important is is the improv improvisational playing together right as a music therapist we have a lot of ways to play with people that haven't learned how to play but for example we have this subject in our training uh, where we train improvisation not to be expressing ourselves but to follow the client and communicate with the client Uh, because when they play um, fast, I follow, and if they play, yeah, they change the playing, I'm I'm following. But up to a certain point where maybe it's important that they learn to be steady and follow me. <laughs> so somehow in the beginning, I have to take their position and be close to what they are doing, and later they have to follow, learn to listen to me and take the other's perspective a little bit right yeah interesting. and then there are a lot of groups and then they, they it's all this social training to wait for their turn to sit oh, okay. at their chair yeah every, everyone ha- has their contribution but it's a lot of 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 social learning in these groups So if someone wanted to become a music therapist in Canada, what qualifications would they need, assuming they've completed a bachelor's degree in music? Yeah, so um, it's a it's a it's a four year program and they're called the Canadian Music Therapy Education Programs. And they're in a select number of universities in uh, Canada. For example, Wilfrid Laurier, um, Capilano University, Acadia, and U of Toronto, University of Toronto, U of T, whatever you guys call it. (laughs) And so it's a four-year program. Um, It's a little bit of psychology. It's a little bit of music. And so these are people who are musical professionals who have already completed their undergrad and they are going into uh, this music therapy program. And so once you've completed your, um, your undergrad, then you must be certified by the Canadian Association of Music Therapists. And so that's the CAMT. And um, then you must be as um, uh, accredited and certified within your particular province. So for example, we have the MTA BC in British Columbia and then the MTAO in Ontario. And yeah, so you must remain a member in good standing and um, uh, you have to keep. So another part of that with being a member of good standing is um, attending regular re-education programs um, because music therapy is a 
burgeoning industry. And so there's a lot of new stuff to learn. There's a lot of good research going into music therapy right now. So a really good music therapist is somebody who is just tapped into that, um, into that universe. Yeah, totally. Especially Mm -hmm. because like the brain is so not understood, you know, compared to other parts, like like I did, I did a course on psychology or like the anthropology of psychology in university. And it was so fascinating to see like just how quickly the DSM had changed in, you know, so few years, like yeah. our understanding of, or how we, how we formulated and thought about disorder. And yeah, it's very interesting. Well, you know, we were, we were calling bipolar, um, what was it? Um, manic depressive disorder up until like yeah. 10 years ago, you know, like, there so there so much has changed and so just being on top and i think that's with that's true with any industry is just being on top of your industry mm-hmm. being ahead of your game knowing what's happening all around you yeah absolutely yeah uh so i remember when we chatted on the phone you mentioned that music heals was going into more brain research um are you able to talk a bit about that yeah a, a little bit so Later this month in January, we're going to be announcing a research project. It is the first research project um, of its kind in Canada, which is very exciting. Um, And so what that looks like is discovering the correlation between music therapy and the neuroplasticity in the brain, which is the brain's capability of rewiring itself. So we'll be looking Mm -hmm. at different segments of client populations, working with music therapy and tracking them with really incredible brain scans to actually show this is your brain and this is your brain on music, uh, which is really exciting. And, and we will have more information being released uh, later this month on that. Okay, cool. So more broadly, why are organizations like Music Heals so important in the Canadian context? And what are your hopes for the future of the field? Yeah, absolutely. So One of the things that I think is most important about an organization like Music Heals in Canada is the awareness side. I think it's really beautiful that we are funding programs in children's hospitals across the country. However, you know, if you have, say, the mother of a nonverbal child on the autism spectrum, they may not be aware that music therapy can help with um, communication, break patterns of isolation, or help with cognitive abilities because they're so in it. They're Mm -hmm. so living day to day that they may not be aware that there's a program in their community that could help their child. So I think that the awareness on the individual end user is really important in Canada. But on Mm -hmm. the flip side, the awareness for facilities like programs who serve children with autism should and, and are starting to recognize the power of music as a form of therapy in their facilities and their programs. And I think for the future, our goal, I mean, what a beautiful world it would be if all of the children's hospitals across Canada knew the importance and valued the music therapy programs to a point where it becomes a strategic priority. And now it's a part Mm -hmm. of their funding and, and, and a part of their annual budget, the same way, you know, x-ray machines are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's sort of our goal. I mean, it would be incredible to go, wow, okay, cool. Well, we've created so much awareness and started funding all of these programs. And it's obviously working for them that it's become a priority. And now these programs aren't relying on us as much. 
that yeah, to me totally. is, is, is a major goal for music heels and, and a, a beautiful dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mentioned this when we chatted, but I just think that's such a good point across all industries that are defined by NGOs working to fill what otherwise would usually be, you know, a government led industry. I think that's, it just shows that there's such a strong need, you know, the fact that there's so many NGOs that exist that are trying to provide like shelter and food and therapy and medicine and all these things. Like it's just, yeah, the goal would be so wonderful to fulfill if we could just reach a point where it's not all reliant on them, you know? Exactly. And, and we would be very happy to fill in the gaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Um, so if someone's looking to get involved with Music Heals or organizations like it, uh, how might they do that? So the first thing that I'm going to suggest is that they visit musicheals.ca. Um, on there, you will find loads of information. So whether you are a brand looking to build a cause marketing relationship, if you are an artist who's looking to um, donate proceeds of your sales on your tour, um, mm. if you are a parent of a child who you think could receive music therapy as a form of treatment, there's a lot of research-based information on there. Um, and you'll also find a lot about our events. Um, we understand that becoming a major donor to Music Heals is not necessarily accessible to everyone. Um, so we've provided a lot of opportunities for music fans and musicians and brands to get in, get involved and, and sort of shout from the rooftops that they believe in the power of music. Um, right. In the month of March, we have an initiative called Join the Band. Uh, it's a crowd fundraising program where we are asking you to create a virtual band and fundraise on behalf of Music Thera uh, music Heals. Um, this is a really unique way to make sure that the money that you raise stays in the province that you live. So it's a cool opportunity if you have an office or you're a musician and you say, I want to rally my friends and we want to collectively work towards a goal to provide music therapy in Manitoba we can make sure that that happens. And it's a, it's a fun online initiative um, that, that is really engaging and really easy to access uh, for a lot of people. Um, in the month of March in Vancouver, we'll be launching a Women's Day event. It's called Let Her Sing, and it's giving women a voice through the power of music therapy. That um, should be announced relatively soon in the next week or so. So visit the website for more information on that. Um, and we are, for the very first time, hosting our inaugural gala in Calgary. Um, the Alberta market is pulling us in. We have a lot of excitement from brands and donors and companies that are looking to help increase access to music therapy in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And we're very excited right. about that. Um, so if you want to learn more, again, visit musicheals.ca and, and, and feel free to reach out to us. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. As the field of music therapy is constantly evolving, I spoke with Ruth Eckhoff about how music therapy has changed in her experience and what her hopes are for the future of the field. The, the main tendency is that it has broadened. We started in the special education field and it broadened to um, somatic medicine, yeah, for example, cancer, right. 
or pain reduction or Parkinson, a lot of these kind of neurological diseases. And then it has broadened to be in jail. Right. Yes. And recently we have had two very interesting projects with prison. Um, one of them uh, last December where was uh, releasing a CD and they had a release concert and a book, uh, Women from the Women's uh, Prison in Oslo. Uh, uh, there is one music therapist, Venja Rud Nilsson, who for, for more than 20 years have worked with this population. And they start playing in a band when they are already in the, in the prison. Mm. And there is a new band waiting for them when they come out. So this oh, is wow. a way to, to work on uh, how to manage after, yeah. after being in prison. Yeah. And uh, so this is very touching. And, and then last week, one of my colleagues at the Mu uh, Norwegian Academy of Music had a concert and a release of a book and where students from the academy uh, studying instruments and mm -hmm. singing, they choose a subject called music in perspective. And then they have uh, concerts in different prisons, not with only rock music, but all kind of music. And then they have workshops lasting for a whole, whole week. And the end of that is often a concert. Right. So those um, prisoners are very touched by these meetings and this musical learning. Yeah, so, totally. Yes. I can imagine. So that's something that fills me just now because it was so wonderful. So that was some of the, so the change was new fields. Right. And a lot more positions, a lot more educated music music therapists and um, you asked also about Norway compared with elsewhere in the world yeah yeah so I'm rather proud of my Norwegian colleagues I think we have been rather active doing quite well in the international community uh, we started a web uh, journal called voices world um, Journal for Music Therapy, mm -hmm. and we started Nordic Journal of Music Therapy in 1991. So we have been very active in, in these um, journals, and that had, has brought us into contact with other countries and other music therapists. And there are, of course, Nordic conferences, European conferences, and world conferences. Uh, one very nice fact is that our kind of father, Evan Rud, he was mm -hmm. studying in the United States and he saw how much different uh, approaches inside music therapy were quarreling with each other. So they, they were working against each other and he didn't want that. So when he got home to Norway, he started an education which was which was multi-perspectively oriented and humanist. So uh, and he said that it's very important that you learn to cooperate. So actually we have kept all the resources together uh -huh. and working for the same goals. 
And there is a lot of research going on in Norway. Right, yeah. So I guess to close, what are your hopes for the future of music therapy, either in Norway or abroad? Well, I I hope we will go on to learn from other relevant fields and therapies at the, that we will see common factors between different therapies, not only what music therapy can do, but what the factors that work in all kinds of therapies uh, and that we will integrate and uh, not be on an island <laughs> for mm. our and then develop more research further. Uh, yeah, for those who are musicians um, out there, be open to the social use of, of your musical competence, play in prisons for those who haven't experienced to go to ordinary concerts and uh, cooperate with music therapists on these things. Yeah. Not only being um, yeah, very good at playing, but also using your personality to, to give some musical gifts to people who need them. Yes, yeah. Thank you so much to Erica Tetzel and Taryn Stevenson from Music Heals and Ruth Eckhoff for their contributions to this episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Off Key. I've linked to the show notes for this episode in the description, so check those out for a summary of key points, links, and resources on the topics we discussed during this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really help us to improve and create the best content possible for our listeners. If you have any topics that you would like me to cover, please email me at offkey@membran.net or send me a message at either Membrane Labs or TaliaSW on Instagram. This episode of Offkey is written and produced by me, Talia Seidman-Wright, with writing and research assistance from Dino Chilotti. Thank you to Torben Witterman for creating the music used in our intro, outro, and transitions. Offkey is a member of Membrane Entertainment Canada, aka Membrane Labs, a music services company that provides distribution and label services for Canadian artists and labels. We're also exploring ways, like with this podcast, to help all musical artists be better informed, know their rights, and ensure they get all of the money that is rightfully owed to them.